Buster did forget he'd lost his hand. Oh! No, stop it, stop it, stop it! Oh, you caught my tendon in your claw! My claw? I'm a monster! Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this is book five, Annihilation, chapter seven. Which means that this is season four, episode seven, The Snow Queen. Which, generic title, good episode. Yeah, I, you know, last week we were talking about how we're hitting that dip in quality that seasons have towards the end, but... This one really pulled it out for me. Yeah, I think it's because it's mostly dealing with characters we haven't seen before. We're not just, like, going through the motions with uh, Mary, Margaret, and David again. Yeah, we hardly see Snow and David at all. And when we do see David, he gets hit on the head with a lamppost, so... It's pretty awesome. (laughs) We are terrible people, but we laughed at that when it happened. Are we... Is it bad to laugh when something bad happens to a bad person? I guess not. I'm sure the Germans have a word for that. Schadenfreude. No, that's if something bad happens to anyone. I'm sure they have a specific word for when it happens to a bad person. Ooh, okay. I do have to say we do have to come up with a word for this thing that the show keeps doing. They did it last week. They did it this week. They've done it to our darling Lana Perea. Mm-hmm. Where they make the women on this show play themselves at 16, and it's not good. Because this week they do it to Elizabeth Mitchell. Who is an incredibly beautiful woman, but is not a teenager. I know, it's awful. I, You know what, I'm going to have a lot to say about the way that they do up Elizabeth Mitchell, so let's watch and talk. Okay, I want to... Ingenuification? Mm-hmm. Anja old. <sighs> Like Anjanu, but Anja old. Uh, uh. I want to clarify that beauty and youth are not interchangeable qualities because I feel like that kind of comes up when we're like, Lana Puri is an incredibly beautiful woman, but she's not 17. What we mean is youth, um, what we mean is beauty cannot be exchanged for youth, not that the two are interrelated at all. There are lots of people who are way hotter the older they get. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. What we mean is when you are a gorgeous 30 or 40 year old woman, do not try to look 16. It doesn't work. Just be your badass, gorgeous 30 to 40 year old woman. I mean, I'd way rather look like Lana Perea than the most attractive 16 year old girl. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just We should start this show. We should start talking about the episode. Which we said we wanted to talk about. I feel like this happens a lot when an episode's really good, we end up putting off talking about it. Well, I mean, I have a lot of emotions to talk about. Okay, the opening of this episode is weird because it is a detergent commercial. Oh, see, you, you know what I was thinking? It was one of those weird dream sequences Baywatch did for a while in the third and fourth season where they had kids in old-timey outfits running around for no reason. 
Remember that? That was a thing. Okay. Oh, you know what it is? It's what Andrew imagines in Buffy when he's thinking of Warren's promise that they would be as gods. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's three little girls in old-timey outfits running around with a kite. It's real laundry detergent-y. Well, specifically because they're wearing white and they're running around in the grass, and I'm just like, oh, this is going to be a commercial about how Gain can get out those stains. Uh, I was seeing Tide, but yeah. Whichever. What's really weird is uh, you turned this on when I got home and I was doing something at my bookshelf and so I wasn't looking right at the screen and I was literally like thinking that you needed to wait for the commercial to be over and then I realized we were streaming Netflix so there were no commercials and this was just the opening of the episode. Ugh. Like that's how jarring and out of place this opening feels. Unfortunately, these little girls are like charlie brown level kite flyers and the kite immediately gets caught in a tree and rips i have never flown a kite before really yeah i did when i was little we used to go down to uh, foot park and do it it's not actually that fun i mean it's kind of fun at first but once you get it up in the air it's sort of yeah you just stand there and it just stays in the air right yeah, but getting it up in the air is fun. You know what? Next time we go to Seaside, we should bring a kite, because there is crazy wind at Seaside. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, let's do that. So anyway, the kite is ruined now, but they can still use the ribbon for something. Yeah, specifically as a hair ribbon, which I don't think of kite ribbons as being hair ribbons, but... Well, if my understanding of kites based on Victorian children's literature is correct... You actually make the tail of the kite out of whatever you have handy. Uh, so it was probably originally a hair ribbon. Anyway, the smallest child, and the only redhead, is like, Oh, I'll put it in my hair, and my name is Goethe, so now you know which three sisters we are. And the middle child's like, No, I should put it in my hair. I'm the blondest of the three, so it will look the best on me. And then Ingrid's like, No, I'm the oldest. I get it, because the oldest kids get everything. And then suddenly it becomes an episode of Law & Order SVU. It's messed up! I was disturbed by this! This guy steps out from behind a tree and is like... Hey, that's my kite. And the little red-headed girl brings it over to him and he's like, Boop, I'm gonna abduct you now. It's... Yeah. Yeah. He's like... And he recognizes them as princesses, by the way. Which is like... Dude, what is your exit strategy? You're going to have the entire kingdom after you. Do you not remember what happened to those pirates who abducted Caesar? Anyway, he, he, the girls fight him. And the thing is, even if one of them didn't have magical powers, which you will recall she does, I still feel like three girls could take this guy. Yeah, he doesn't, he looks like the sort of person who probably has scurvy. But then he, as they, as they rush him, he, like, roundhouse kicks Ingrid, like, right in the gut. It's honestly pretty violent. He's, like, not a guy who has any queasiness about beating up little girls. Which is why I don't feel bad when Ingrid's mutant power manifests for the first time and she loses control and, like, zaps the guy. I mean... Let's be clear here, this is basically Iceman's origin story. Yeah, there's definitely some, there's definitely some ex-feelings happening. Yep, he kicks her and that jumpstarts her mutant power. She shoots ice, the ice hits a branch which cracks off the tree and falls on the guy. And he says really, really quickly, oh no, you're a monster, before the branch hits him. <laughs> right? They, <laughs> right? They needed to have him... 
Right? They wanted to have him die from the branch falling so that Ingrid would feel all bad and have some motivation for the things she does next, which are honestly a little outlandish. But also, they wanted to have this callback to people calling her a monster. So... He has to say it really, really quickly before the branch hits him. Yeah. And he does. And he tells her she's a monster. But her sisters are like, um, no, it's pretty badass. TBH. You saved us. And he's... And... You know, Ingrid's freaking out. She's like, no, I'm a monster. And they're like, no, he's the monster. Look at him. And they have this very emotional scene where they tell her that she didn't have a choice and that they're her sisters and they'll always support her and be there with her. Which, okay, my my only issue with this is that they're having this very emotional conversation next to this man's slowly cooling corpse. I have no issues with that. It just seems weird that they're ignoring the fact that there's a dead body like three feet away from them. Whatever, they're royalty. It'll do them well. It'll do them good to get used to it now. Anyway, they they make a pact that they're not going to think of her as a monster and that they're going to protect each other. And they they split up the ribbon into three pieces so that they each have a piece. Which is nice. And it cuts to adult Ingrid looking up at the clock tower. Yep. Now, she doesn't have any trouble working the uh, elevator because magic. Well, this is a different... All right, this isn't the elevator that goes down to the dragon basement. No, although it does still seem to be the kind of elevator that requires an operator to operate, but she's she's clearly using magic to operate it. Anyway, she magics up a facsimile of the shattered sight mirror up in the clock tower, bell tower, up in the bell part of the clock tower. <laughs> And we cut to credits, which is a kite flying through the woods, because... Even though we're done with the kite. Yeah, the, that part of the episode's over. Okay, this is the weird part of this episode, which um, is... The part where Robin Hood comes, and, and I just hate him so much. Well, the thing is, normally the Regina parts of episodes are, are highlight parts of episodes, but here they're very clearly the worst parts of this episode, I mean, I'm putting all of that on Robin, but... Robin is bringing her down. There is no doubt. And... Well, one of the things that makes this episode good is that it's just not repeating stuff from other episodes, which is a thing Once Upon a Time kind of abuses. And this is the one part of the episode that's just repeating things we've seen before. Hell, back in season one, even. I mean, this is Regina and Robin Hood rehashing... The uh, the David and Catherine plot from season one. Yeah. Except... And we mentioned that last time, but this is what happens. Except back in season one, I wanted David and Snow to be together. I'm just really irritated with Robin Hood that when Regina's like, look, you have to go. I can't be with you when being with you means you don't love your wife enough to save her. And he just is not taking no for an answer. And I'm not here for guys who aren't taking no for an answer. Yeah, I mean, his point is true. You can't just change your emotions, but... No, you can't, but you can change your actions. And when the woman you say you love tells you to leave, your action needs to be to leave. I'm honestly kind of wondering how he got in there in the first place. But... Because uh, she's in her tomb. She is. She's in her vault. That is a good question. So... We cut from Regina telling Robin Hood, okay, dude, seriously, you need to get over me. This plot is not interesting and it needs to stop now. To Elsa and Emma discovering a spell that might be able to contain the Snow Queen's powers. I was like, 
That spell just came out of nowhere, right? Yeah, it, it kind of did. It, uh... It's weird. Okay, okay, let's briefly discuss this. They're in the sheriff's office going through old books, which they presumably brought over from the clock tower because no one wants to hang out with Belle, even if the only other option is carrying around a lot of heavy books. Correct. And they find a spell which is going to help them capture the Snow Queen. Theoretically, it will contain her powers. Now, because we've seen the end of this episode, we know that the Snow Queen wants to be captured. She's going all Joker in the Dark Knight Rises, or the whatever Dark Knight movie the Joker was in. So, if they hadn't found this spell, I don't know what their plan would have been to bring the Snow Queen in. And the Snow Queen's plan would have been foiled. So did the Snow Queen plant that spell for them to find? No, I think she might have. Because her plan really relies on them finding the spell. So I can see her planting it. And they didn't just find the spell. They didn't just find the spell in a book. They also found the magic candle that they need to enact the spell. Now, the spell is written in... Elvish. Which... Which Emma says that she can't read. She has Elsa read it to her. She says, I didn't even make it through Lord of the Rings. Oh, sweetie, no one did. It's terrible. Well... Lord of the Rings is boring. It's really good if you like reading about people walking for hundreds of pages. It is so much walking. I got through Moby Dick, and I couldn't get through Lord of the Rings. It's real boring. It's really boring. Well, it's because... Tolkien writes like a linguist. Um, I love Noam Chomsky, and he's a linguist. Does he write like one? I mean, he is one, so yes. I really believe that every nerd has at least one beloved nerd property that they can't stand, and for me it's Lord of the Rings. Mm. I don't have, like, serious issues with Lord of the Rings. It's just... I, I don't really care about it that much i can take it or leave it it's fine it's fine i had one of my friends back in college invited me over to she was throwing this movie marathon and she's like i got the extended editions of all of the lord of the rings movies was this an endurance marathon no this is something she did for fun was it gonna take her like i mean it would take a full 24 hours to watch all of that right oh yeah no it was a huge thing she's like do you want to come and i was like no 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 which is funny because we actually live in a lord of the rings themed house we do but that's just because it fit the aesthetic and the naming tradition right and man i spent so much money and time on those curtains they're nice curtains i love our curtains but they're lord of the rings curtains a thing that i just admitted on the air i do not even care for you can enjoy the aesthetics of something without actually liking the thing itself. I guess so. What were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about Once Upon a Time, where Elsa asks Emma if anyone in her family can do magic just to set up the rest of the theme for this episode. And Emma's like, nope. Yep, just me. I'm the only one that my family is afraid of because of my terrible, powerful magic. Uh, she specifically says that her family's not afraid of her. I know. Despite her terrible, powerful magic. Also, Henry has magic. It doesn't come up very often, but he does have the heart of the truest believer. Okay, wait. Does he have magic or does he have one special power? 
He has one special power. But that special power is omnipotence. He just never uses it. Yes. It, it might be location specific. It would be location it's specific. It's not location. It's not location specific. He uses it in New York later. Yeah. If it wasn't for him using it in New York later, then one would imagine that the heart of the truest believer thing only worked in Neverland. Yep. That would have been a great out. But nope. He uses it in New York one other time in the series. Well, but he's also going to get the author's pen. That's omnipotence. And he doesn't use that either. At least he tries a couple of times. That's true. The author's pen works, except when it would be convenient. So it's like Emma and Regina teaming up. It doesn't work when it would be convenient? Yeah. Mm. Anyway, uh, Emma's going to try the spell, and it involves lighting a candle and blowing on it with magic breath, which causes the flames to... Shoot into Elsa's vagina. I mean, that is what appears to happen. That's not what it's supposed to do. That is what the CGI looks like it's doing. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay, they had to have done that on purpose, right? Not the people who wrote the show, but... The people who animated the CGI? Yeah. Anyway, so the spell kind of fizzled out, but I was like, ah, don't worry, I'm sure it'll work when we uh, encounter the Snow Queen. Yeah, I'm sure it'll work when we need it to. That's how magic works on this show. Anyway, she needs to go pick up Neil at Mommy and Me class. And, okay, I do have to say, so it's a mommy and me class with all of the moms who have babies and their babies, right? Hey, look, it's all of the forgotten flagship princesses from this show. Right, you've got Aurora with Philip and... Baby Philip. Yes, you've got Aurora with baby Philip and Cinderella with her baby, whose name I don't remember. Mm. And some other mother who put her child in a Mickey Mouse costume, because... I totally had that outfit as a baby. Oh my god. But yeah, in case you forgot that Disney is, you know, behind this show, there is a baby in a Mickey Mouse outfit. It's pretty cute. So, um, fun thing. When we were watching this show, I wanted to see who a certain actor was. So I brought up the IMDb page to, to look it up. And on the IMDb page, I noticed there was a section under trivia where it was like, fun fact, in this scene... Cinderella has a baby when, actu- when in actuality that baby should be two years old by now. I was just about to say, like, it's so weird that all of these babies are the same age despite being born at very different parts of the show. I just love that this shady contributor put it in the trivia section. <laughs> Fun fact, this show doesn't care about continuity. Maybe Ashley just says, Ashley was pregnant with that baby for, like, years. Maybe the baby's aging at a slower rate. Oh, what a nightmare. Oh, my God. But Ashley, uh, Cinderella, is apparently running this baby class, and she's burned a CD of whatever song they were doing. Yeah, she's, she burned a CD of all the baby songs they're singing so that the mothers can stop being so horrible at all of the baby songs. And we get a... So, this is a thing that mothers do. This, like, mommy and me classes where you, like, sing with your babies. Mm-hmm. And my little sister teaches musical theater. So she brings the baby to rehearsals and stuff. And her baby's exposed to actual high caliber musical performers. She told me she brought him to one of these classes and he was not impressed. <laughs> uh. We are related. So uh, Aurora is horrified at the thought of 
technology. It does bring up the sort of interesting fact that Aurora is one of the few people who did not get a modern personality put in her head. That is weird, right? So people who came over in the second curse are living in the modern day, but with no modern memories. So everything is new to them. Also, she's apparently still living in Granny's with Big Philip and Baby Philip. Where else would she live? Presumably there's a whole bunch of empty houses out there. I mean, not really. People all had the houses that were built for them in the first curse. And I don't think Mary Margaret crafted new houses for the new people when she brought people over. Eh, point. Although, remember, there were classifieds when Emma was looking for a place. Yeah, but there were no houses in the classifieds because of the nature of the curse. Now, the thing is, people who came over in the second curse but hadn't come over in the first curse, it's got to be so weird adjusting. That would be so interesting to see. We get a little bit with Aurora where she mentions that she hasn't turned on the TV because she's terrified of it. So... Ashley comes over to uh, remind Emma that they did have briefly a prior relationship back in season one. Emma did save her baby for her. And uh, Ashley talks about how it's like having a support group and how it's good to have other first-time mothers around to support you. And Emma, oh my god, Emma took a level in passive-aggressive. She's like, oh, first-time mom. That's interesting, Snow. (laughs) And Snow's like, I'm not a first-time mom. And I was like, no, no. I mean, It's your first time raising a child. This is the first time you have a baby that you didn't throw through a magical wardrobe. So yeah, you're kind of a first-time mother. I mean, it's the first time with a child you love. Yeah, Emma's very clearly having some issues here. Emma is so angry that the bottle she's holding onto starts to glow. And Mary Margaret immediately pulls the baby away, and she doesn't say, get away from my baby, you freak, but I think this is the most- This is the most acting we've seen out of Jennifer Goodwin, because she looks genuinely really freaked out here. And Emma's like, oh, sorry, I was just doing a lot of magic, and I guess I had someone left over. (laughs) I mean, maybe she's just pissed off, because between when I watched this episode the first time, and now- Many years have passed in my life, and I now know a lot of first-time moms, and I know what a stress it is to pump breast milk. So maybe Mary Margaret's just pissed off that Emma has soured an entire bottle of breast milk. She used light magic on it. Maybe she made it better. You want to take that chance? I mean, not with the baby (laughs) she loves. Oh, yeah, no. She could give it to one of the other babies. We all know Mary Margaret's feelings about other people's babies. Oh, God. Baby yeah. death pit's coming up. Yes, I'm I'm actually really excited to talk about the baby death pit. But fortunately, Emma doesn't have to deal with... Uh, her terrible mother because she gets a call from her terrible father. Took the words right out of my mouth. Apparently, he caught wind of the fact that the Snow Queen is up in the clock tower somehow. Yeah, because she leaves a trail of ice everywhere she goes. Hmm. I wonder why they were having so much trouble finding her. Well... As you, as we talked, as we already revealed, she actually does want to get caught this time, so. Yeah, she, like, vaguely throws a snowball at Emma and Elsa as they run in, and it, like, sort of hits the wall behind Emma, and then Emma uses the flame candle thing to magically put magic-inhibiting handcuffs on her. 
Yeah, and they're like, all right, we're done. Everyone go home. I know there's 30 more minutes in this episode, but I don't know what we could possibly have to talk about. In all fairness, Elsa's like, oh my God, you did it. And then she, you know, hugs Emma and Emma's like, yeah, no, this was ridiculously easy. And the Snow Queen's like, oh no, you caught me. Oh no, I'm caught. She's being really obvious, but Elizabeth Mitchell is having so much fun in this episode. I, yeah, Elizabeth Mitchell really is making this season for me. Especially because the show is giving poor Lana Perea nothing to do. Yeah. Okay, so so in the flashback, we see the girls in their early 20s. I don't know, it's hard to tell because... It's their father's 70th birthday. Okay, so maybe they're older? But they're all, none of them are married and they're only starting to talk about courting. So I feel like they have to at least be in their early 20s. But then 70 is way too old for their father to be. And I think they cast older actresses because they didn't want it to be so awkward that Elizabeth Mitchell is playing her young self. Yeah, but it's weird because everyone's really clearly in their 30s. Okay, but also everyone is dressed in Regency era outfits. That doesn't match the aesthetic of Arendelle. I am so <laughs> angry at that. It's not okay. So. Be- I- I'm sorry, I'm, I'm having difficulty. What I find interesting is that uh, we get introduced to the scene uh, through a mirror. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I was too busy not liking the outfits. But Gerda and the other one. Gerda and Helga and Ingrid are the three sisters. Gerda and Helga are getting ready for a fancy party. For their father's 70th birthday. And Ingrid's like, ooh, I don't think I should go to that because of that time I accidentally killed a dude by pointing at him hard. Even though that was like 30 years ago and also I'm supposed to be queen so really I should be dealing with people. And you guys, their bedroom is quite a thing. It's Anna's bedroom from Frozen, and... They are too old to be living in this bedroom. Also, this they shouldn't be sharing the same bedroom, right? I mean... No, they should. They've got a whole castle. Yeah, but I think it's normal that... I think it's normal... Um, I think it makes more sense that you share a room with your siblings when you're, like, close and you're... I, I don't know. It, it, it feels more normal to me that they would share a bedroom. They're going to this party, and Helga has a special suitor, a duke. Uh, yes, she's dating a duke. And they all say it like, ooh, a duke. You're a princess. Yeah, kind of a downgrade. But, but I mean, what's she going to do? But they do show all of the sisters holding hands so that we can see that they're all still wearing the same yellow ribbons from the first scene. Aw. Yeah. It is sweet, although those ribbons definitely should not still be around. But I guess the magic of true love preserved them. Yes, they're magic ribbons. We'll get to that. Mm. Anyway, at the party, we meet this duke. Who's so obviously the Duke of Weselton. We don't find out until, like, the end of the episode, but... I mean, he's wearing the same cartoonish glasses. It's the same outfit. It's... He looks like he's played by a young Dave Foley. And... Yeah, it's real obvious. It's offensive to me. Honestly, it's offensive to me that they say... 
that he's the Duke of Wesselton like it's a reveal later on in this episode when that's what he is. Yeah, I didn't think that it was supposed to be a hidden thing until he it, they play it as a reveal at the end of the episode. And it's like, really? It's been a while since we had an unrevealing reveal, hasn't it? Yeah, because this season's been good at not doing that. But oof, not so much here. So Helga introduces the Duke to her king, the King of Sideburns. Yeah, yep, her father, who, according to IMDb, because as I said, I was on the IMDb page, is just credited as king. I'm gonna call him your mutton chop majesty. Look, it's once upon a time. You need to give royalty names. You can't just be the king. Yeah, there's like a dozen the kings. Okay, so this is unrelated to once upon a time, except that it involves the actress who's playing Helga. Okay. So, the actress who's playing Helga is one of the actresses who played young Ellis Gray on Grey's Anatomy. Hmm. And that's only that's only significant because in an early episode of the show, they did a flashback to young Ellis Gray, and she was played by Sarah Paulson. And I don't know if it's that that episode was so old that it was before Sarah Paulson was too famous to be called back for later episodes, <laughs> or... If they didn't know that they were going to keep calling her back, but they recast young Alice Gray as the same actress who plays Helga here. It's very distracting because it's Sarah Paulson. I know it's not the same actress. Although I do appreciate they did bring back another character who we had only seen in a dream sequence. And I remember thinking, are they going to get the same actress they used in the dream sequence? And they brought her back and it wasn't the same actresses in the dream sequence. But then her brother, because she had been missing for years and years, her brother says to her, I'd even forgotten what you look like. So it explains why it was a different actress in the dream sequence. And the actress in the that they recast her as is the actress from Timeline, who is not Belle's mother. Let's go back to Once Upon a Time. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this has been our diversion into Grey's Anatomy. Six degrees of Grey's. Grey's Anatomy has been on for 14 years. You can do like two degrees of Grey's Anatomy with people in that show at this point. Oh yeah, I was gonna say like, isn't Grey's Anatomy practically old enough to vote at this point? I mean, Grey's Anatomy can get a permit to drive on farmland. Oh yeah, I was about to say, you can get your tractor's li- or your tractor license at that age. Yeah. So, anyway, the... Uh... The king, the mutton chop majesty, approves of the duke, and they decide to go dance. And you remember the joke with the duke in Frozen, right? Where he danced all crazy? Oh, I forgot that. Yeah, that was a thing. So, uh, you know the duke was played by Alan Tudyk? I do know that. Seriously, who who did it? Like, which Disney executive did Alan Tudyk, I don't know, accidentally get nudes from? Because he's been in every major Disney movie in the past several years. Not that I'm complaining. I love Alan Tudyk. But... Um, you know who he was in Zootopia. Uh, who was he in Zootopia? In Zootopia, he's Weaselton. Oh, right. Yeah. Because the, yeah. He's also one of the major antagonists in a Disney cartoon show. Which one? Star versus the Forces of Evil. Oh! realize he was in that yeah. i've only watched the pilot of that i should watch that um so i don't know if you know this my dear listeners 
but I have a severe case of Arrested Development. I have seen quite a bit of that show. It gets, it takes a while to get going, and there's a bit where they're switching uh, studios, and the animation gets really, really bad for a while there. Ooh, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't normally bother me. Although I will say that I've seen so many people pointing out animation mistakes for Elsa's hair in Frozen that I'm genuinely distracted by the terrible wig because I'm expecting it to go through her shoulders on this show. Uh, but it, it gets better when they start focusing on the uh, the major theme of Star vs. the Forces of Evil that it uh, is, hey, guess what? Colonialism is a thing and it is massively fucked up. Oh, wow. Now I really want to finish this show up or get into it since i've only seen the pilot yeah that doesn't start until season two but they have a real and like all good children shows these days it does focus on the apocalypse oh that's good you say these days you know how old avatar is at this point oh god how old is avatar oh i'm just saying it's it might yeah it must be pretty old because it was like two, 2003 2004 okay i'm actually gonna look it up Make looking it up noises. What do you look things up on? Future computers. Okay, Avatar The Last Airbender is from 2005. That was pretty close. It's 11 years old. Yeah. And like all the best children's shows, it starts out with a genocide. Yeah. We didn't have that when we were kids. No, no. Captain Planet didn't have an episode where, like, it didn't have a eugenics episode. Or, like, Adventure Time. Oh, with the Mushroom War? Yeah, which starts out post-apocalypse. Although I will say the best episode of Captain Planet is the episode where the American kid never took the ring. And it does end pretty apocalyptically. Uh, I didn't... Wait, the Ameri- the South American kid or the North American kid? The North American kid. Wheeler? Wheeler, the fire guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I always liked Wheeler. He was the uh, token complainer who had to be wrong because that was a thing in 80s and early 90s cartoons. Yeah. They did a It's a Wonderful Lifestyle episode where we saw what would have happened if he never took the ring. And apparently... Wheeler is so special that if he never took the ring, it wouldn't have just gone to someone else and they never would have had Captain Planet. Like, all the other kids had their rings, but they didn't, like, find each other and form Captain Planet. That's weird. And I don't think it should have worked. Like, I mean, let's be clear here. Fire is definitely the least important ring out of all of them. Well, I mean, it was just to teach Wheeler a lesson, which, as you said, is his job. Mm. So my favorite Captain Planet episode was, uh, it was the one where Linka got super addicted to this fake drug. I mean, it was a real drug in the universe, but it was called like Utopia or something. Utopia is, oh, that's Utopium. I know, that's from was it, iZombie. Was, yeah, was it Utopium, the drug from iZombie? It was not. Wow. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Although Max Rager doesn't exist in that universe, so I guess you could just do Utopium and not turn into a zombie. Right. That show is good. That show is good. Anyway, Snow Queen. So. Anyway, so the Snow Queen is in the interrogation room and Emma comes in to play good cop, bad cop. A vaguely competent cop. Cop wants to know where her sister is. Because Elsa's like, where's my sister? 
we heard her heartbeat in Bo Peep's crook. And to her credit, the Snow Queen is both of us when she's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Also, I can't believe we're still doing this plot. Can we just pretend it didn't happen? She's like, okay, A, that's stupid. B, why do you care about your sister? She's the one who put you in that urn. And Elsa's like, no, she didn't. <laughs> and she runs out of the room crying. Yeah, so Emma sends her away so that she can do this interrogation on her own because surely that's going to go well. Yeah. And the Snow Queen's like, hey, that works out because you're the one I really wanted to talk to. Yeah, and Emma's all like, I've seen Star Wars. I'm not going to join you in the dark side. She also points out how dumb this plot is because she's like, I know you were smack talking the Bo Peep thing, but you want to make me your sister buddy something and I'm really not here for that. Yeah, but then the Snow Queen is all like, use your superpower. And Emma's freaked out because she doesn't have a fucking superpower, you guys. Yeah, she, the Snow Queen's like, no, you loved me and I loved you. We had this genuine relationship and that's something you're not going to have with your family. Your family is going to turn on you when they see what you're capable of. Um, I will say a couple of things here. First, um, first, I hate how they're putting the truth in the Snow Queen's mouth right now. When she's like, yeah, blood isn't what matters. What matters is love and connections. And I am your family just as much as David and Mary Margaret. More even because I was there when you needed me. Yeah. And secondly, you're just pissing Emma off by reminding her that you stole her memory. But that's kind of the point because we'll see that later. Mm. Yeah, the Snow Queen's actually being really confident here. The Snow Queen is pretty great. She definitely gets everything she wants in this episode. Yeah. I mean... In the storybook story, not, not, in not the so much in the flashback. So, in her reading room, Regina is leafing through the storybook. Yep, she's looking at all of the terrible photoshops of different Disney princesses getting to be with their princes, and oh, Robin Hood's in there with Marion. Oh, that's gotta hurt. Anyway, then Henry shows up in a suit, and it's super sweet. And she's like, why are you in a suit? And he's like, uh, duh, it's my wedding day. And she's like, what? And he's like, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. a weird joke, right? That's a weird random joke. Especially because people probably got child married in the Enchanted... Well, she got child married in the Enchanted Forest. Right? She got married when she was as old as he looks like he is. (laughs) But yeah, he's like, no, Grandpa just said that I have to, you know, look nice to sweep up his shop. Because I have to match his aesthetic because he is, I have to match his aesthetic because he is nothing if not all about the aesthetics. He is a dapper man and I need to be dapper to sweep up his shop. Because remember, that was a plot we established like four episodes ago. You know, we really did turn a corner on Henry, didn't we? We did. Henry's like, we're like, hey, look, it's Henry. Woo, Henry. We're like happy to see him. We're enjoying his little quips. Huh. And he's like. So what's going on? Because I noticed you sort of had your evil queen face on when you were reading that. He's like, look, I've got, I've only got one foot in this plot. I've got one foot in the author plot that we're going to do next season. So what's going on with that? And she's like, look, I didn't get my happy ending. But I'm okay with that. I'll just get the next happy ending that rolls around, which is 
Good on her. That's an amazing way to look at it. Anyway, back in the interrogation room, Emma is not good at interrogating. Yeah, she's like, we know what you're planning. You've got that weird mirror thing, and you want me and Elsa to replace your sisters. And uh, the Snow Queen's like, yep, you got it. The Snow Queen is like... She's no-selling this conversation. Emma asks, Emma's like, okay, fine, I get it. You're where you want to be. Why did you erase my memories? And the Snow Queen's like, well, every family has its ups and its downs, and... You weren't at the place I needed you to be, and now you are. Okay, that's super creepy, though. Yeah. Like, I know I said that... Well, I mean, that's why I hate that they're giving her the truth about what makes a family, because you know what doesn't make a family? Erasing people's memories without their consent. That's super not okay. But she brings up her pointing, and she's like, you're with these people you think of as your family, but they're not. They weren't there for you when you needed them, and they're afraid of you now. And Emma's all... They're, they're trash people. Yeah. Emma's like, they're not afraid of me. And the Snow Queen's like, really? Really? Because no- I seem to... I know I wasn't around for this, but I seem to remember David saying he was happy you lost your powers at the end of the last season. Yep. Yep. Uh, back in the flashback... Oh, we didn't talk about how... The last scene ended. Well, so I guess we'll talk about it now. So back in the flashback, the sisters come up to see Ingrid and she is getting ready to run away because in the last scene, she went down to the, she went down to the party to get a glance at the Duke and her sister and she was so freaked out that she made it flurry. So now she knows she has no control over her powers and she must run away. Oh no, mild snow. I mean... what a disaster. Granted, she did kill a dude, but he was trying to abduct her sister, and that was, like, over 20 years ago at this point. Yeah, I mean, she he needed to die. Honestly, I think being able to kill dudes who are trying to abduct little girls is a good power for queens to have. But that might be because I've read a lot of X-Men. Mm. So, Ingrid says... Look, I can't really control my powers, and I saw you at the dance, and you were both so happy and not worried about accidentally killing people. So I decided, you know what? I I need to leave. And you, Helga, you're the queen that Arendelle deserves. Ingrid is the queen that they need. Helga is the queen that they deserve. And as we'll see, Gerda is the queen they get. Mm, mm. You know, we actually get the full story here, and Gerda still doesn't actually come out of it looking great. It's so weird how, I mean, in Frozen, the movie, I feel like Elsa's parents do not come off great. But the way that it gets contextualized in Once Upon a Time, they're fucking monsters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As of right now, Helga's like, no, don't go. We're going to find a way through this. And Gerda's... Gerda... To her credit, is the one with a plan. Yeah, she says, hey, wait a second. I heard of a sorcerer who might be powerful enough to stop Ingrid's powers. Oh, where is that sorcerer? Hey, remember how they haven't used Misthaven since the beginning of the season? Yeah. Well, turns out he's from Misthaven. You oh. know, the Enchanted Forest. Is this going to be a new sorcerer we haven't met before? <sighs> oh, no. This is Rumpelstiltskin. It's who- always Rumpelstiltskin. Who apparently is handing out his name all willy-nilly, but... Whatever. Anyway, back in the... Back... Anyway. Back in Storybrooke, Hook and David and Elsa are checking out the mirror. 
And he cries, it's just a mirror. Yeah, it's the fake mirror that uh, the Snow Queen put up in the... Bell Tower. Yeah. I guess it's not a fake mirror, it's a real mirror. It's... Just not evil. Yeah. It's fake in that it's not evil, and everyone knows all mirrors are evil. And Belle walks into the room and she's like, ah, mirror! But then she realizes it's not the evil mirror and she's like, guys, this is totally a trap. Yeah, she's like, this is definitely a completely different mirror. Hey guys, it turns out Ingrid is a lot smarter than all of us. So naturally, David and Hook go running over to the jail to, uh... Yep, but Ingrid is there and she her powers are not actually restricted. And she freezes over the door of the sheriff's station, so now it's just her and Emma. Yep. Stuck together. Hey, it turns out that that spell that didn't work at the beginning of the episode when they tried it didn't work slightly later in the episode when they tried it. Anyway, then we go to Granny's. You know what's super awkward? What? When you walk into a bar and your ex is there. Hmm. Because Robin Hood is at the dartboard of uh, Broken Hearts. Which... Ooh, that is what it is. Yeah. And we can tell he's not the ironic archer. Nope, he is bad at darts, which is weird because that's kind of Robin Hood's thing, right? But he is good at not hitting Will Scarlet with darts because Will Scarlet walks in, sees him, and immediately turns around to leave but is stopped when Robin Hood throws a dart into the door. Which yep. I like to think he just missed really wildly that time. <laughs> I like to think that he was trying to hit Will Scarlet. God, I'm sorry, I just had a flashback to Dale Gribble. Next time I'm going to aim at the mannequin and hit you. <laughs> that show is so good. Dale is a surprisingly good character considering his conceits. There's an episode where he actually reads the Warren Report and realizes that it actually all... Or he Sorry, he doesn't read the Warren Report. He goes to Dallas and he realizes that the way he was visualizing it is different than it actually is and that the Warren Report actually makes perfect sense. Yeah, the episode where he realizes that conspiracy theories are stupid and he becomes, like, incre- like all of his conspiracy theory energy goes into becoming incredibly jingoistic. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Will Scarlet and Robin Hood have to have a man-to-man about all of the stuff that went down in, I assume, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland? I really need to rewatch that. I, I started, but I didn't get very far into it. I... I should rewatch it because I feel like it would contextualize a lot of stuff. This is all fallout from Will Scarlet's relationship with the Red Queen. Okay. Anyway, um, then Robin Hood starts talking about why he's in love with Maid Marian. And we get some backstory, blah, blah, farmers, blah, learn to never steal from the poor, blah. She's the one who taught him to steal from the rich and give to the poor. She made him the man he is, which, by the way... Is why Robin Hood doesn't deserve love. Yeah, she made him into the man he is today, the guy who doesn't love her. No, seriously, Robin Hood does not deserve love. He basically is telling Will Scarlet right now that the reason he's good is because it helped him bang a girl. Mm. He's telling him that the reason he loved that girl is because of what she did for him and not anything intrinsic in her. And later on, he's gonna just like totally stick his tongue down Regina's throat and be like, sometimes you have to abandon your ideals. And it's like, you only had ideals when they let you get laid, and now you're abandoning them so you can get laid. Seems to me like your ideal is Robin's penis. Yeah, which is funny because Will Scarlet gives him advice he's going to totally ignore. You know, it's about how, like, when you've got love in your heart, then you know what the right thing is, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because Robin Hood has no love in his heart. 
No, he's listening to a different blood-filled organ. Oof. Anyway, in the shop... Henry's ha- sweeping again. Yeah, he's still doing the sorcerer's apprentice thing. And he's all like, hey, when does the apprenticeship end and the sorcery begin? He points out, the only thing you've had me do is sweep this floor twice, which is kind of funny because that's the only things we've seen him do. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's only been in the shop the times we've seen, which is not a lot of time. Anyway, Hook is all like... Rumple. Anyway, Rumple's all like, well, here's the magic potion. It's called Polish. And he sends him to polish a bunch of uh, furniture in the next room. Yep. Which is lucky because, hey, guess who finally remembered that people who know how to teleport exist? What? Yeah, they're like, hey, Emma's trapped in another ice thing again, and we thought we'd actually get you to help out this time. Although I will point out that Belle comes in and asks him to help. But does not ask him to teleport in. She just says she knows he can help. And since the problem will have resolved itself by the time they reach the sheriff's station, we don't actually know if him teleporting in was their plan. True. They may have not remembered that he can teleport. So he agrees to help and everyone except for Hook and Rumple immediately run off. And Hook's like, hey, the last few, the last few villains to roll into town were trying to kill you, but this one isn't. Wait, is that true? That's not true. No, Zelina was controlling him and she wanted uh, him to love her. Yeah, Zelina didn't want to kill him. Zelina wanted to bang him. And Pan didn't want to kill him either. Yeah, Hook's got- Hook's- Hook's... Cora wanted to kill him, but that was like three villains ago. But Hook's like, is the reason that this one doesn't want to kill you because you have some history together? And Rumble's like, doesn't that indicate that we don't have history together? Oh! Self- You- You- Yeah. Although he doesn't actually say that. What he says is that my history is my business, which Hook's point made no sense, though. This woman doesn't want to kill you. That clearly means you have history together. Right? It's like, you know what Rumpel's history with his women is like. Yeah. If she was trying to kill him, then they would have history together. Speaking of Rumpel's history with women, the next scene is flashback scene of the three sisters meeting with Rumpel. I want to point out... Nobody seems to have trouble going from Arendelle to the Enchanted Forest except for Gerda the one time she died. Huh. That is that is interesting. Like, everyone else seems to be able to go back and forth with no issues. Hmm. Yeah, and, like, really quickly, too. Yeah. Like, it's a day's journey, basically. Half a day's sail. Oh, God. And Ingrid explains her problem and wants him to take her power away. And he suggests that instead of doing that, he train her. Which I think is great because you know how Rumpel has like a series of women that he... Tra- Basically, Rumpel is the Wolverine of this show. Keeps on acquiring young female apprentices. Yeah. But she's like, hard no on that. Like, I just don't want to have powers anymore. Um, and actually, okay, I really love this scene because Rumpel bests them by telling the truth. He tells them, look, magic comes with a price, but true love is free. And true love between sisters is apparently extra special strong. And you have that. So you don't need me. And then he convinces her to give that up. Yeah, he's like, okay, those ribbons that you all have have become a token of the true love that you share. So if you give those ribbons to me, I will give you gloves that will restrain your powers. And, uh... And an urn that will imprison you if it gets to be too much. And she agrees. Ingrid gives up 
the ribbons in exchange for this magical fix, which has far-reaching consequences that we'll talk about in this episode. But also, the gloves that he gives her are the gloves that Elsa gets in Frozen the movie. So... When we see the context of those gloves later on in this episode... This reflects so badly on, uh... On Gerda. Yeah, let's think about how fucked up that is later when we see how Gerda acquires those gloves. Mm. So, the thing is, the other two sisters are really not big on giving up the ribbons, but Ingrid talks them into it. Right. It's funny because as much as the Snow Queen talks about how her family was afraid of her powers, honestly, she's the one who's the most afraid. Gerda and Helga are confident that she can that she can control her powers and that together the three of them can handle it. It's Ingrid who's afraid. Yeah, I mean, Helga doesn't even want them to take the urn. Yeah. Oh, oh God, poor Helga. Helga was the best of them. Oh, yeah, Helga was definitely the best of them. And Gerda was the worst. So they do hand over the ribbons to Rumple in exchange for the, uh... The magical devices. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, back in Storybrooke, Ingrid is giving Emma a mom talk. Yeah, it's so weird. It's definitely shifted from... It's so funny. It's definitely shifted from Emma interrogating... It's definitely shifted from Emma interrogating Ingrid to Ingrid interrogating Emma... In a very Hannibal Lecter type way. Yeah, she's like, isn't it funny how your parents basically threw you away, but they kept the baby that doesn't have magical powers? And she's all like, my parents did what they had to do. She's like, yeah, your parents used you to stop a curse because your parents are fucking users. You know what? She's not wrong. And she brings it up again. She's like... They like your powers when you're working for them, but they don't like them when you're doing stuff for you. They like it when you're restrained. You lo- They like it when you're under their control. And they don't think of you as a person. They think of you as a tool. Although, to be fair, David and Mary Margaret think of everyone like that, regardless of whether they have magical powers or not. Ingrid doesn't bring that up. That's just the truth. Yeah, she says, you can, she says, you can't love someone you don't understand and they will never understand you. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true either, but it pisses Emma off enough to blow a hole in the police station. Yeah, and then Ingrid, like, magics away her manacle. And then Ingrid magics away her manacles and is like, well, my work here is done. It's pretty awesome. And she's so peppy and she's like, Emma, look at you. Look at you. Good for you. You did great, kid. And then she bamps away. And it's one of the fancier teleports we've seen her do. Yeah, it's a, it's a really uh, it's a really detailed ice teleportation. Yeah, she turns into a cloud of snowflakes and flies off. Yep. And then Emma is standing in the wrecked wall of the sheriff's department. Uh, that must have been pretty expensive for them to do. I mean, I know it's probably a set. But... I don't know. It's a wall we've never seen before, so they probably built it just to blow it out. Yeah, but I mean, it's still feels like it represents a bit of work yeah and hook he, runs up and he's like what monster did this which really dude i mean yeah that's some forced phrasing 
Anyway, Emma's all like, guys, stay away from me. I've lost control of my powers. And then Mary, Margaret, and David do what you should definitely do when someone says, please stay away from me. I've lost control of my powers. And they grab a hold of her. Uh, technically, it's Hook and David. Oh, is it? Yeah, Mary Margaret's staying back because she doesn't want to get that. She doesn't want to get anywhere near that freak now. Well, anyway. So Emma flips out because the people are grabbing her while magic is sparking all around her. And she accidentally mystically knocks over a lamppost. And David shoves his boyfriend out of the way and it hits him. Yeah, and it's super hilarious. Barely grazes him, but we we did laugh when it happened. We We... We, we might have laughed when it happened. And and Mary Margaret's like, Emma, you freak! Get away from my husband! And, and then Hook tries to grab her again! And she runs, in, you know, she runs off and she's like, What part of stay away from me don't you understand? And she drives off, which, yeah. I mean, God, give her some fucking space. It's like, but it, yeah, it's like if she was holding live wires and she was like, get back i'm holding live wires they'd immediately run over and start licking them that's the equivalent to this scenario Ugh. david and mary margaret are just the worst i know hook was involved too but yeah he's not the worst david and mary margaret are the worst anyway back in the flashback ingrid is suddenly wearing her outfit her ice queen outfit do you remember at the end of season one when david was gonna go kiss Mary Margaret and break the curse. And Rumple bamfed him into the prince outfit. And they had to do that because they had opened the show with him wearing the outfit when he kissed her. And it was like, shit, we got to get him into the outfit. Yeah, this is because this is the outfit we see her in when she comes out of the urn. Even though it makes no character sense for her to be wearing it now. It looks nothing like the outfits she was wearing before. But she was very, wearing actually really simple outfits before. Like not wanting to draw attention to herself outfits. And, and this is when she's the most scared of her powers, too. Yes, this... So it doesn't make sense that she's dressed snow-themed while she's wearing... where she, while she's holding the things that will respectively restrict her powers and absorb her. They should have had her just dressed in the same simple linen dress she was wearing earlier in the episode and just let us think that she made this outfit out of ice while she was trapped in the urn. I'd buy that! Or they could have had her, uh, you know, looking at the gloves and the urn and then experimenting with her powers, coming up with the dress, and having what happens happen because the Duke sees her experimenting with her powers. Maybe, but I think they're running out of money. We're going to see the troll later on, and I feel like the CGI Ooh. on the troll is worse this episode than it was even last week. Yeah. I mean, that wall stunt was probably pretty expensive. When they had Emma blow out the wall, that... I mean, that looked really cool, but that was probably pretty expensive. Yeah, they don't have money to be doing... They don't, they don't have money to be doing CGI clothes changes at this point. Maybe like a Linda Carter spinning around in a circle clothes change. Mm. But anyway, she's holding the uh, urn and the gloves when who should approach but her sister's boyfriend, the Duke. Ooh. Okay, this is terrible. It's gross. He's like, oh, the hot sister. And then he, like, tries to force himself on her. And dude, even if she didn't have magical ice powers, she's gonna be the queen. Like, don't do that. It's weird that these sisters never seem to have, like, guards around or anything. 
Yeah. Because you think, you know, they're royalty and all. But... I mean, also, what was his best case scenario when he forces himself on Ingrid? Like, I get maybe that he was thinking, oh, she's the oldest sister, so if I marry her, I'll definitely be king. That's definitely better for his standing. But she's clearly not interested, and you... Yeah, forcing yourself upon her is not going to help the situation. And honestly, it's it, they treat it like she used a whole bunch of magic, but mostly she just shoved him really hard. And I guess it was an ice shove because he went flying, but... Yeah. He's like, witch! For, like, you, she pushed you and you fell over. And I mean, there was a flash of light, but that really could have just been the sun reflecting off her sparkly, sparkly outfit. Or your terrible, terrible glasses. Yeah. Anyway, Helga shows up, and the Duke is like, she tried to come on to me, and then when I rebuffed her, she used magic because she's a monster. And Helga's like, oh, thank you for telling me that, because now I know you're a shitty fucking liar. My sister would never do anything like that, because, like, we love each other, and you're some scrub-ass loser. Go back to your scrub-ass loser uh, dukedom. And this is where we find out that he's the Duke of Buzzleton. And it's supposed to be a twist, but it's not because it was obvious. Helka talks about how this is her sister, and she loves her, and she trusts her, and, like, trying to get between... What's that song lyric again? Uh, I don't want no scrubs. Scrub this guy who can't get no love from me. God save the uh, mister who tries to get between me and my sister. Nice. Yeah, because she's not having any of this, and the Duke's like, uh, well, I guess I'm just going to tell the entire kingdom what a monster your sister is. This Duke needs to learn to quit while he's ahead. Yeah, because... Or behind in this case. Like... Because turns out monster is her trigger word, to the vast surprise of nobody. And she's like, oh shit, you did not go there, and she ice points at him but when she ice points at him helga jumps in front of the ice blast and she gets blasted and into bloody icy chunklets it's fucking horrifying she gets the ice blast to the heart and as you know from frozen that kills you except it spreads through her body like super fast and then the ice dissolves so now it doesn't dissolve it breaks into chunks so now she's just got this like pile of ice that used to be her sister and it's so fucked up and right before she like breaks up this you know she's like holding her and freaking out and in frozen that cured anna uh, that cured anna yeah so did taking away the right so i think taking away the ribbons took away the power of true love like true love is no longer effective for them that's fucked. Yeah. Poor Ingrid and poor Helga. Helga was the best of them and now she's dead. Wrong sister dead. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second, but first let's talk about some more Regina Robin nonsense. Boo. Yeah, so Regina's looking through uh, the storybook and Robin shows up and he's like, I've been trying to do good my whole life, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to make out with you. Yeah, that's what happens. It's time for me to be selfish. And it's like, uh... You've been nothing but selfish, dude. Go back to your wife. This whole thing... Look, I get it. Sometimes you don't want to be with your spouse, even when you're, like, literally you loving them is the only thing that will keep them from dying. You can't make yourself love someone. I get that. 
but she has made it clear that she wants you to leave her alone. Speaking of men forcing themselves on women who are way too good and powerful for them. And also, this is really not a passionate kiss. Like, it's sort of two people mashing their faces together. Oh, that's funny. I actually disagree with you there. I do think this is, like, the most chemistry we've seen Robin Hood and Regina have with each other. I think the main reason I'm disagreeing is because I've seen pictures of the two of them goofing around, like, on red carpets and stuff as just the actors. And they have chemistry in real life, which is why it's so bizarre that they don't seem to have any on screen. Look, I hate everything about Robin Hood. But the kiss is kind of hot. Yeah, I mean, they're both they're both really attractive people. I mean, it's hot once she gets into it. Like, when he's... Don't get me wrong. When he's forcing himself on her, that is just creepy and wrong. But when she's like, oh, I'm going to take what I want because, yeah, fuck everything. Then it gets really hot. Anyway, speaking of things that aren't hot... Yeah, Mary Margaret's throwing her baby into a... Well, she drops her baby into, like, a bundle of wood or something. A crib? she's like done with you drops the baby and uh yeah mary margaret's up in her loft and everyone else comes to tell her that they can't find and and everyone else comes back to tell her that they can't find emma so apparently they've been out looking for emma between the scene we saw and this scene and Snow's like, well, obviously Emma's hiding from us because we all freaked out and screamed that she was an evil monster person. I know, Emma. I know. Mary Margaret's like, wait, am I a terrible mother? Hmm. Although, uh, to be fair to Jennifer Goodwin, her hair actually looks pretty good in this scene. Okay, but that doesn't take away from the terrible motherness. Oh, no, that doesn't take away from the terrible person underneath that hair. But I feel like I should point out that it actually looks pretty good there. Yeah. And Emma is, in fact, alone. Alone, but for Herbie. Yep, she's watching over Storybrooke from one of the thousand-foot-tall cliffs in Maine. Yeah, you know, like you do. Which are apparently a thing. When we had John on, we asked about it, and yeah. Okay, fair enough. So, we're about to get a flashback, but before that, we get, like, just a few seconds of the Snow Queen touching a mirror. The Mirror of Shattered Sight. Yeah, it seems weird that they put that in, because it's just, like, three seconds of her touching the mirror, and then we go into the flashback. It's almost like it implies that she is watching Emma, or at least getting strength from Emma's distraughtedness. Mm. Distress. Maybe? Distress is the word I wanted. I like distraughtedness. It's a very... Because remember, the mirror was powered by Regina's evil magic. And I feel like it definitely has some connection to Emma and Emma being off worried about her own magic. I think that that's what we're meant to see, which is, I think that's what we're meant to see, that Ingrid is having a connection to Emma and her magical depression. Yeah, I can see that. Speaking of magical depression, uh, back in the past, Ingrid is cradling the icy chunklets of her sister. And Gerda shows up and is like, oh, you are a fucking monster, because Gerda's the worst. Also, that's a really big assumption to jump to. I mean, well, I she's mean, crying into a pile of ice, but... I mean... I mean... Well, I mean, I think what this shows is that this is always what Gerda's been afraid of. Yeah. and Although, to be fair, I do think that Gerda wouldn't have responded in this manner if she hadn't taken off the ribbon. 
that's generous of you. So Ingrid's like, you need to help me. I'm freaking out. Like, I can't control this. Please help me. And she reaches out, which I have a thing about this. So in the Silver Age, the Scarlet Witch's powers were activated by her pointing with her pointer finger, her thumb, and her index finger at the same time. Her pinky, you mean? Uh, her pinky. Her her index, her pinky, and her thumb. And whenever she'd point like that, something would happen. And she's like, I can't control my powers. Whenever I point, my hex power activates. I'm like, well, just don't point like that. It's like a really conspicuous way of pointing. Doctor, it hurts when I go like this. Yeah. So I'm just saying, Ingrid reaching out and being like, help, I accidentally killed our sister by pointing at her the same way I'm pointing at you probably isn't helping the situation much. Okay, I see what you're saying. But the problem here is not that Ingrid's powers are just flying out of her hands. The problem is that she can't figure out how to bring her sister back to life. Mm. Like, she's her. it's not like she's going to shoot more ice out. It's that she can't undo what she just did. Naturally, Gerda's uh, solution is to call her a monster and suck her into the urn. Yep. Thus creating all of her issues. Yep. So, Ace's job there, Gerda. You just royally fucked over the next generation now. Because the gloves were right there. Uh, speaking of which, so then she takes the gloves, and it's really fucked up that she just came across her dead sister and then sucked up her other sister into an urn. But what's really fucked up is that when her own daughter exhibits these powers, she's going to give them her sister's gloves. Yeah. Also weird that she put her hair into Anna's pigtails before going to see Grandpoppy. No, this, she also had them in pigtails like that when she went to see uh, Rumpelstiltskin. That's just her traveling hair. Mm. But she goes to Grandpoppy and she's like, Hey, so uh, both of my sisters mysteriously vanished, and I need you to erase the entire kingdom's memories of them. Yeah. And he's like, I have some follow-up questions. And she's like, no, it's too painful for me to talk about. And I'm not sure if this is the actress or just the way it's written, but it super comes off like she killed both of her sisters. Well, she is the queen now. Yeah. And... Okay, last week when Grandpabi was telling Anna what happened, didn't he say that her father asked everyone to erase the memory of the daughters? I don't remember, but... I am like 90% certain that's what he told Anna. Yeah, nope. Well, it's because, I mean, we saw what happened and I'm still kind of like, okay, but did Gerda set this up? Because <laughs> Gerda seems like she's in an ace fucking position now. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's like, hey, you need to erase everyone's memories, and then I'm going to be queen. Um, even Grandpappy is like, you know, that's like super powerful, and that means it's going to be costly. Remember that whole magic comes with a price thing? And she says, I'm pretty sure I've already paid it. And then he waits till she's gone before he says, we shall see. So do you think this is the reason her boat went down? Yeah, I do. Because everyone else seems to make that journey real easily. Anyway, back in Storybrooke. Rumpel's telling the Ice Queen what a good jo- uh, what a good job she did making a monster out of Miss Swan, and uh, whatever. Yeah, and Ingrid's like, yeah, whatever. Okay, I'm ready to make the deal. Yeah. So Ingrid tells him that she wants the ribbons back. Remember what I said about gold being about nothing if he wasn't about aesthetics? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. He has the ribbons, which were just like ribbons when they gave him to when they gave them to him, tied up in little bows in like an inlay wooden box. Huh. Because he is all about the aesthetics. See, the thing Ingrid has in exchange for those ribbons is, hey, turns out she had the hat for a while and she figured out how to jailbreak it. And she discovered that the way uh, that she discovered that there's a way to use it as a power source so he can go out and not be in Storybrooke anymore, but still have his powers. And disconnect his powers from the dagger. So presumably he won't be bound by the dagger anymore. Yeah, so this would be like a win-win scenario for him. He gets to get the hell out of Storybrooke. He gets to keep his power. Also, and he can't be controlled anymore. And what was he going to do with those ribbons anyway? Yeah. So he has her tell him the secret to using... He, he has her tell him the secret what he needs to know to be able to achieve his goals. And she does the thing where she leans in and she whispers in his ear. And it's all like, what did she whisper? He says, she whispered, I know you hate it when they do this in movies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a real community moment. (laughs) It's that. Yeah. Yeah. She tells him who killed Laura Palmer. Yeah. And she tells him, okay, so I'm going to give you this. You can go out and do whatever the hell you want with the rest of the world, but Storybrooke is mine. Yep. Because that's all she wants. She wants to have this little town with her new sisters and everything else can burn. Or freeze. Storybrooke will freeze. The rest of the world can burn. Ah. Yeah. Anyway, so that wraps up this episode. Yeah, this was, like, I remember the season going downhill, but it hasn't happened yet. And I also kind of remember liking the actual Shattered Sight episodes. So, I don't know, maybe this, maybe this is the best season of Once Upon a Time, not counting season one, which is, of course, the best. Yeah, it could be. I mean, or the first half of the final season. Yeah, that was pretty good, too. But that's, that'd be crazy, right? If this is the best, if the Frozen season, well, I mean, I keep saying that I wanted to, I kept saying that I was excited to talk about the Frozen season, and yet here I am, super surprised that it's turning out to be the best season. Well, I think it's because we're moving sort of away from the main characters. It's not, oh, look how much everyone's interrelated. It's funny, because it's the show's devotion to David and Mary Margaret that drags it down, but now you've got all these executives telling them you have to talk about Anna and Elsa. And it's like, oh, thank God. Less David and Mary Margaret. Yeah, we don't have... Uh, yeah, we're not being force-fed this anymore, which is nice. And, yeah, this was a strong episode. So let's talk about fashion. I don't really have any standout great outfits. I just have how much the outfits in the flashback didn't work for me. Yeah, there was nothing like... Stand out good. I really liked Belle's outfit that we saw for like fifteen seconds. It was a really, uh, it was a really cute blue number. It was, and a... she and Rumple are on shaky ground after the whole her controlling him with magic last episode. It's true, it's true. Yeah. And now she's wearing blue. Yeah, it was a blue blouse and a patterned skirt. It looked cute, very cute. 
So... This is the second time where she shows up for, like, five seconds, and yet they've taken care to put her in a very cute, well-constructed outfit. It's what we said last week, right? The fashion... It's what we said last week, right? The costume designers love her. I do like the half capes that keep on appearing in Arendelle fashion. Yes, that is a good look. In fact, it would have been great if we had done that instead of those Regency dresses. Mm. So let's talk about, because we have a couple things to talk about this week, things that are lifted directly from Frozen. All of Wessel- all of the Duke of Wesselton stuff. The wacky arm dancing, the him accidentally saying his evil thoughts out loud. The, the character design? Yeah, it's all directly lifted, and it's fine. It's not like... Also, the gloves that Rumple gives. Uh, also, the gloves that Rumple gives Ingrid are the exact gloves that uh, are the exact gloves that Elsa has in the movie. Yeah, which I thought it was just psychological in the movie. Although it does make sense, it was probably just psychological in the movie. I mean, but it was it, meant to be, but but it does make sense. Yeah, and uh, the bedroom that we see the girls in is Anna's bedroom from the movie. Yeah, which I completely missed when we watched it. But you, uh... yeah, you were like. <laughs> You were like, no wonder she turned evil living in a bedroom like that. Seriously. Uh, it reminds me of the, uh, of Izzy's prison, Isabel's prison in Calavant. Oh, it really did kind of look like that. But, uh, I think that's about it. It is, anyway, looks. It's right behind you. Thank you. all right this show is partially patron supported if you would like to if you would like to donate to our patreon you can do that on our website i love television zines and you can also listen to past episodes there we would like to thank our five dollar and above patrons beryl patricia cassidy alec alex Alicia and Ryan. Uh, if you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can help us out by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, you can head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. If you have a question or a comment, send us an email at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or tweet at us at ilovetvzines. So until next time, I'm what Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Story. Oh, in the dead of night